dependent on who you are, right? So the purpose for me is remembering who you are. And then the meaning for me comes from using that to better the world, to create and co-create the dream in, in reality, right? And so everyone does that in different ways. And so yeah. for me, like I love doing it with my spiritual community in singing and in holding the space and in doing it that way. But I also, you know, I have this capacity to reach people through my story with my voice. Um, and, and if you don't share your wisdom, it's not yours to hold on to. Like wisdom is, isn't yours. And if you hold on to it, then you're kind of missing the point of being human. Um, and you, know, like, you got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to have you back on the show. I have another incredible young entrepreneur, change maker, difference maker to introduce you to. Her name is Avis Mulhall. She's actually currently, I met her in Sydney, but she's in Mexico City at the moment. Welcome to the show, Avis. So great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. Good to be here. Oh, look, it's, it's beautiful to have you on the show. Avis has been through a journey. Let me tell you, I've been watching your journey up close and afar. It's been quite a journey for you. She is one of the, as she says on her little video that she put out later, she created one of the largest change-making... Change-maker community, I guess. It was a community, community event uh, series, yeah. Yeah, you know, when I moved back down to the city from the Northern Beaches a few years ago, about five years ago now, I looked around at what was happening in the city and it just blew me away at the organisations and communities inside the sort of change maker, difference maker, conscious arena, spiritual arena. And yours was one of them. And I jumped on board straight away and went to quite a few events that you put on and was just, and just loved it. And surrounded by really young people, you know, my daughter's yeah. age, <laughs> which is beautiful. I think it was it, like, I think it, it was always a good mix of ages. And that's what I really liked about it. It was quite eclectic in the people that would come. It wasn't, I think it was like, you know, when I, put the tagline up there for the community it was like hey we're just a bunch of people who want to change the world and so it wasn't a change maker community it was a community of people who gave a shit right and so some people weren't change makers but they wanted to do something they just were seeking more purpose so they wanted to create a change but they didn't know where to start and this was an awesome place for people to kind of get started but it was also a place for people who were already in it to just be surrounded by people who were the same kind of mindset. You didn't have to walk into the room and kind of go, so I want to change the world because, and like wait for the backlash of like, well, that's not a real job. You know, it was just, everyone just got it. You know, yeah, as and you that's said, like, everyone gave a shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And they still do. And that's, what's beautiful about it. You know, it's just um, the power of community. It's the power of, of having people around you with that same belief system as you. And, you know, I was, I was reflecting on this with a friend of mine the other day and, as much as like religion 
religious dogma pisses me off. Like what we're seeing and what I feel like the a lot of the rise in mental health issues and isolation is is due to the breakdown of religion because religion used to be where people got their community from. It's where they held similar beliefs because a religion is just a belief system that everyone's like, okay, we'll believe that. Okay, sweet ads, this is it. And so now it's up to us to create our own kind of religions in a way. And it's just without the dogma, right? It's just like coming together of the same beliefs and the belief that everyone has, I think, change. And in the, a lot of the communities we're in, it's, hey, we just, we just want a better future. We want to live lives that are true to ourselves. Let's just do that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I could say a lot about that. Religion is just a community that comes together that has a certain set of beliefs. But then the world, that's actually the world. The world is a, a community a story. that has mm-hmm. a, yeah, a story, a, a set of beliefs. The thing about religion is that, you know, it's coming from God, this ultimate being outside themselves. That's the authority. It's a whole different yeah. kettle of fish. But uh, it's mm-hmm. all about beliefs. It's all about beliefs. You know, what we're believing is how we're creating our world and, and some of the beliefs are very empowering and some of them are not. And even when you put yourself out there as a change maker, you still come with your stack of beliefs that may be not empowering to you as somebody that wants oh, to come completely. to the world. And, you know, and, and I've been workshopping my beliefs, my subconscious beliefs for 30 years, and I'm, they're still hitting me in the face. And uh, it's, what's really funny is, you know, some stuff around money. I was just workshopping it recently. And just mm. looking at your campaign, you've just put a campaign together for your new idea, which we'll get into in a minute, and just raised $30,000. Good on you. Yes, I have. It's fantastic. <laughs> and just looking at your Facebook page and seeing, you know, we've only got this much to go. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, because it was a crowdfunding campaign. And it's like, I swear to God, like, the last few hours of a crowdfunding campaign is like watching the Eurovision Song Contest, man. It's just like everyone's sitting on the edge of their seat. Like I had friends from all around the world going, I can't cope with this. Like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I just like my son is texting me and all their children were like getting around the computers and on their phones, like watching the countdown. Yeah, but it, it was, again, you know, when I started, when I thought about starting my new project, I wanted it to feel like it was created by the community for the community. You know, there's a lot of talking heads out there. And um, when you jump into a space that can be associated with personal development or, or that kind of space, you know, it's, it's very often about the individual on the other side of the screen as opposed to the community. And, and I'm a community person. And I'm not interested in me teaching people. I'm interested in in me gathering wisdoms from the community and sharing those. And so I wanted to do it in a different way. Like I had lots of people kind of go, well, why did you do crowdfunding? And I'm like, because that's how we build community. You know, it gives the community ownership of it. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Obviously you're using a crowdfunding platform that if you didn't reach your goal, you didn't get any money. Is that this? Because there's a few different platforms, yeah. which is, makes it nail biting. Absolutely. Yeah. I, feel, I feel exactly the same, but I want to get into your story because like, as I've been watching you, like a lot of young people and including my generation and generations that came before us, when you're young, you're kind of like, yeah, I want to change the world and you're set out to change the world and you find that the world doesn't want to help you change the world and it becomes really hard, you know what I'm saying? And the kids of the, the hippies of the 60s wanted to change the world and then they all sort of grew up, got married, had kids, got jobs. I don't know what happened to that. Where are those people? There are still some around that are like, yeah, I'm still a hippie from the 60s, you know, they're in there 
60s and 70s now. And just looking at this generation who are in their 20s and 30s, so that's the generation of my daughter, I'm seeing so much more of this, I want to change the world, and not being dissuaded by the world not wanting to help you change the world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this commitment, commitment mm-hmm. in the face of financial struggle, in the face of adversity. But what happens is, and what happened to you, is you get a bit of a burnout because people try to change the world from the outside in instead of changing the world from the inside out. And yeah. I, think, I think you learnt that very powerful lesson didn't you yeah I definitely did and I think you know and I've always still even been quite a person who's done a lot of the inner work and even in that I think you know I was quite a conscious aware being you know you've come to my events and it it usually kind of transcends down the, the existential kind of pathway anyway and even at that you still get lost right like we're like walking amnesiacs like humans have this capacity to get lost every five seconds you know um but the danger is i think when you're in the change making space there's extra pressures on you you know it's like it feels like the weight of the actual world is on your shoulders and when you start a project you have donors you've got funders you've got the people who you're trying to help everyone responsible you, you feel so responsible for so many people and so much stuff. And like, if you're working on climate change, well, fuck man, like the whole humanity is like counting on you. And so it just, yeah. it can blow up to be this huge thing. And it's like, and sometimes, you know, we can't take that break. We can't take that pause to just kind of give it perspective. Um, if we can't nourish ourselves and do the inner work, we can get, we can get really lost in it. And, and for me, I just burnt myself out. Like I just spent so long, like working on all of these different projects. And, you know, like I had been chronically ill for 15 years. Um, And um, I had like six years ago, I had like four major surgeries, two of which nearly killed me. Um, I went down to 47 kilos and I'm like just under 5'11". And then in my recovery, you know, like I was not able to stay awake, but I was having like meetings, you know, and like, my business partner was like, okay, well, we only have 10 minutes at a time because she falls asleep after about 10 minutes. So we'd have a 10-minute meeting and then I'd fall asleep. And then he'd hang around for a couple of hours till I woke up and then we'd have a 10-minute meeting. And it's like, I just never stopped. Like the bit where I stopped was when I was in the hospital and I was in intensive care and I actually lost my sight. I couldn't eat or drink or like I was dying, like the doctors told me. And that was the only time I stopped. But in my recovery, I was like, I was fearless, right? You come out of something like that and you become fucking fearless. And you're just like, well, fuck, if that didn't kill me, I can do anything, you know? And it's like, it's, you're just like, it's the eyes of youth. It's like this ridiculous, like notion that you're fucking invincible. And like, I just was like, so excited to be alive. I was like, I'm going to do all the things. But my body was still like, mate, like, hello over here. Don't forget about me. And, and I forgot about my body and, and my mind was racing ahead. My, my, even my spiritual growth was racing ahead, but my body was still recovering from 15 years of being ill and 15 years of medication and surgeries. And I just never gave her a chance to just like chill out. Catch and up. So, yeah. And so like my body is what stopped me and I became ill again. Um, and, you know, like I would just was getting diagnosed with early stage cancers like four times and and it was just like I just like when it was like that the, the last cancer diagnosis I was like okay this is it 
like I have to stop. I like I like that's it. I'm done. Like I have to stop. And I'd faced worse things in my life. Like my my Crohn's disease was worse than like what I was facing with that. But you know the voice, the little whisper was like, "This will kill you if you don't stop." And so I t- I stopped. I took a break and just went back to remembering who I was underneath all the things that I thought that I needed to be for everyone else and all the expectations that I had had of myself of what I needed to achieve and do in order to create change in the world. And, and then, you know, like you're saying, like the inside out thing is like you come down and you go down and you go down the rabbit hole and then you just fully remember who you are and you're just like, oh, oh yeah, I don't need to change the world. I you just know, it's like, it's so interesting, the doing versus the non-doing. It's something I've thought about, you know, as a change maker all my life. And I remember I went to see a woman who wrote a book called Cave in the Snow and she meditated in a cave in the Himalayas for like 12 years. And before that, she was in an ashram for seven years. Just meditating. And I'm thinking, well, how's that changing the world? You're doing nothing, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> and so I'm like, can we, can we do nothing and change the world or do we have to get out there and do something? Like this is the... I think that's the ultimate, like, the dilemma that a lot of people have. And I think there's a time for both. And that, for me, is the, is the crux of it. Like, you know, you look at this, I call it purpose-born. Like, you know, people are, they used to sell, like, startups, and then, like, people got fed up with that, and now they're selling purpose. Like, it's the new sexy thing. And it's like, well, that's also just a lie, like, because you are your purpose. But if you, if you try and create it outside of yourself, you're, you're kind of fucked. But, like, my theory is that, you can just sit and meditate and that's beautiful and, and wonderful and you'll, you will reconnect to the Godhead and you'll just like bliss out like a little motherfucker and you'll just like, yeah, it's amazing. But like, is that why you came here? Is, is that why you came here? No. You know, but, but for some it is. You no, know, there was this beautiful yeah. conscious music teacher that came through Sydney recently called Tina Malia. Just, oh, yeah, I know. You know, yeah. Tina? So she was talking about how she was out in the woods and she learned a lot of the music that she plays from these like bush babies, these incredible beings that live out in the bush and they Mm. live this sort of like wild and free and sustainable lifestyle and they just sit around singing and and meditating and they're not out there changing the world but they're holding a vibration. Yeah. Especially as a collective that is actually really nurturing our world. And, and so holding that vibration is actually more powerful than what you do, which is what I've come to understand through my searching. Do we have to do it or can we just be it? Uh, you know, what's the balance? And I think it's different for everybody because it's down to what you're called to do, you know, like, yeah. I was sitting, like I spent the last two years basically just meditating and playing guitar and having a bloody wonderful time just dancing out in the universe. You know, it's wonderful. But like I'm being called. Like I, like, mate, can I just, can't I just like sit in the forest and like spirits like, no, oh, you got some shit to do, mate. No, like really, you want me to do, you want me to do what? <laughs> and so for me, it gets kind of hilarious. I end up going to these places and I'm like, you, are you fucking sending me to where now? I'm like, where am I going? Okay, okay, I'm going. And for me, it's that, it's that beauty is like that the purpose of us coming here is to remember, right? That's it. You know, that's it. But like meaning is dependent on who you are, right? So the purpose for me is remembering who you are. And then the meaning for me comes from using that to better the world to create and co-create the dream in reality right 
And so everyone does that in different ways. And so yeah. for me, I love doing it with my spiritual community in singing and in holding the space and in doing it that way. But I also, you know, I have this capacity to reach people through my story with my voice. And if you don't share your wisdom, it's not yours to hold on to. Like wisdom isn't yours. And if you hold on to it, then you're kind of missing the point of being human. Um, and, you know, like I've been spending a lot of time with indigenous elders and, and I'm about to go spend some more time with them. And, you know, that's the kind of recurring theme is that like systems to pass the wisdom um, Hang on, we're to do that. And, called to do and that. I guess that's what I'm doing. Would I rather sit in a treehouse? Probably. We're losing you. The internet. Oh, can you hear me now? The internet's playing silly buggers. Let me just pause it for a while. Okay, so where were we? We're talking about overdoing it in the change maker community and, and not listening to your body and getting sick. And so you've been through hell and high water with this illness. You look really well at the moment. How did you recover? Was it just, was it loving yourself and loving your life and chilling, relaxing? And I think everyone wants to know what the thing was, you know, what's that one thing that you did to make yourself better. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I cured myself of Crohn's disease. Like it's gone. Um, I've been off my medications for like the last three years and, and it, it, there's never one thing. It's holistic, just like that's what well-being is. Well-being is holistic. So I changed the way that I worked. I changed the people I spent time around. I spent more time with myself and on myself. I changed what I ate, what I consumed. I changed toxins in my life, in my relationships. I learned how to sing. I played the guitar. I committed myself to my spiritual path. I jumped out of the spiritual closet jazz hands um and you know and I just I stopped giving a flying fuck about what anybody else thought um most important thing yeah you know like my 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 fuck's given her at an all-time low yeah which is always useful um and yeah I just started listening listening to my like my own inner inner compass and um trusting like trust, it's a huge thing, like just to trust that, like, because there were so many times where it was like rock bottom, out of money, like everything's falling apart and, you know, and then an opportunity for a job would come along um, with like paying me ridiculous amounts of money. Like when it comes to jobs, people want to give me so much money, it's ridiculous. And just trusting that I know that that's not what my body wants, it's not what I want and not letting the fear of not knowing make me take the job for a short time or you know what I mean it was like it was really just trusting that and being surrounded by really loving people um and feeling safe enough to let myself lose my mind you know like you could call it burnout like there's not really the word for it right it's like it's not like it was it was like just burnout it was I kind of purposefully allowed myself to do it, you know, like I was exhausted after quitting. I was the CEO of a, of a tech startup incubator for the disability space. And after I finished that project, like I would, like I quit because I was, I wasn't able to work in the way that I wanted to work. And I wasn't able to have balance for my spiritual practices and for my life. And so I was like, I'm quitting, but it also meant losing my visa for Australia. And so I was like left in all this uncertainty and I had the opportunity to take jobs again. And it was like, no, 
I just actually need to just do nothing for a while and trust that and allowing myself to do nothing for a while it was like do you know when you kind of see there's a little dark door in the corner and you kind of every so often you're like oh what's in that door over there and I was just like you know what I'm going in I'm going in I've got enough time I don't have to do anything I don't need to be anywhere I'm going to check out what's in the door and I went in and I sat in it and I got to know it and I just move through it right it was it was waiting you know all that time I was so busy and so yeah I guess it was there's no real word for that right well you know what I'm hearing is you know as a as a conscious change maker there's that thought the world is dying and what I'm doing is saving her life so it's kind of like this emergency it's like when someone's sick, if you see the planet sick, you know, we're killing our planet with pollution and yada, yada, and if you have to do something to sort of save her life. And that's that weight on your shoulder that you were talking about. So how did you take that weight off your shoulder? Like, she's not going to die today. I need to... Well, I didn't really. Like, I went into the depths of that pain, like my pain, her pain. Yes. understood it at a different level and... Mm-hmm. And that is, our, I, I still believe that's our responsibility, you know? Like, that's why I'm spending so much time with Indigenous peoples, because they know that too. We're here to protect the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and so I believe that we need to use our voices to protect the earth. Like, that's, like that's why we're here, um, you know, one, one of many reasons. And, and so, yeah, there's this balance. Um, and so, like, while I took my time off, I ended up at Standing Rock and I stayed at Standing Rock with the elders over there and um, ended up making a film and a video of my time there that went beautifully viral on the internet and ended up with a lot of donations going to um, the cause. And, and so, you know, it's, there's not a prescriptive way of creating change in the world. It can come about in so many different ways, but as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and from the right space, then it changes. The vibration, as you say, changes. But if you're doing it because you feel like you have to, if you're doing it because you feel that there's a fucking obligation, you're doing it because you're like, holy shit, we're all fucked. And it comes from a place of fear. Yes. It doesn't really change anything. Whereas it, when it comes from that place of, I'm going into that dark room and I'm like, oh my God, I feel the pain of our ancestors i feel the pain of the earth i am like crying the motherfucking tears coming out of the ocean you know i i feel that and so the change that i'm creating is coming from a place of heart it's coming from a place of love then i think you know whatever you do in that space the changes um and like mate you could make coffee for the rest of your life in that space and you'll change things because you'll change the interactions that you have with people like the conversations I have with people sometimes have more impact than you know a business I could create right and right. and it's the same with all of us so but like it's a challenging one because you know I still do believe that I want us to rise to, so that we will protect our earth. yeah it's one of those oh you can do either or both and and it's, I want to share something with you that came out in a session I did the other day uh, came through me I was speaking to a woman who is just this incredible change maker and has been for you know in working helping people for 38 years but she's just really unhealthy right and in a lot of pain and what was coming through me is that you know all this effort we put into helping mother Gaia you know the earth we are mother Gaia this this is her 
if you look at the chemical composition of our body, it's the same as the earth. It's actually, you know, the soul takes on the body, which takes on a part of Gaia. So there's actually no separation between earth, trees and body. It's all one. It's all, you know, you're, you're wearing mother Gaia. This, this, this meat suit is actually a part of her. And so actually caring for this, body is caring for her and caring for her is caring it's like you can't separate the oneness of everything and I think a lot of people forget that because they're so busy trying to fix it that they forget to you know completely and like you know and for me that self-nourishing like I was talking about earlier making sure that I've got my practices that I'm feeding myself the right foods like it makes like your body is the only one you've got and it is (laughs) sacred like it is sacred like you're saying like if you can see something then you're it right so yeah we are all the same it's as simple as that like if you nurture yourself if you nurture your soul first we'll tap into this kind of totally different source of energy that will allow you to do the work in the world and it won't wear you down in the way that it used to in the old ways of working because it's about changing the way that we do things and it's like, you know, people are always like, oh, I'm going to do some stuff and do all the things and then I'll take a break to be. And it's like, well, no, how about you be for a bit and then do a little bit. And so for me, like I've shifted the way that I work. It's like I used to work like 90% of the time and then just like chill out for 10% of the time. Whereas now I'm like, I probably chill out for about 90% of the time and like then work for 10% of the time. But the work that I do, like it's just I just smash through it and I get shit done and it happens and it just it just happens because I've spent the time sitting and being and allowing and I'm not forcing what wants to come out to come out. I'm just letting it emerge, right? And that's the full difference is like the ideas that you're seeking, that you're chasing in your brainstorming meetings, that things that you really want to do, like they already are there. You just need to just like be quiet. It'll just land, you know, make enough space and the idea will come. And, um, and so, yeah, it's like we just, we're just doing it all wrong. Like. Absolutely. What you're, you're, what you're talking about is what I teach as a deliberate, teacher of deliberate creation is that, is that third step. You know, Esther Hicks calls it allow, desire, orchestrate, allow. And, you know, the desire is I see a problem and I want to fix it. The problem might be your problem. It might be a global problem. That's the desire. The orchestrate, it's not your work. It's not your work. It's like the work of the universe, law of attraction, the work of the spiritual guides that are orchestrating all the coincidences and synchronicities and meetings and connections. And, you know, there's work to do that that takes a brain. But that allowing that to happen, that third step, it's like chill out, go to the beach, have fun, be joyous, be loving, be happy. All that is that third step which a lot of people get confused because they think that that third step's when you go on holiday and not inside your life because life is about working hard, yeah. Yeah, but there's also like a thing, a bit in like in that kind of process as well that like, you know, like the law of attraction stuff really shits me as, as well in a lot of ways because people are like, oh, just put it out there and like just chill out and it will have it. But like action, like you need the intention but without action, like there has to be an action in there. Like spirit can come and knock on your shoulder a whole fucking day, mate. If you just sit there and go, I'm allowing it, you know, you still need to do something. You still need to take that first step. 
you still need to yeah this like that's your commitment to it if you sit in your bedroom it's not gonna no you can't create we're creators we're born to create and so you know she'll allow it to emerge three but your hands need to mold it right so you need to use them and so there has to be an action in there action is the fun aspect of living like we create through our vibration but action is actually the way we enjoy the creation that's what creativity is yeah that's what people get confused with this do we just sit and allow or do we act because action comes from inspiration because motivation says there's something i need to do in order to get something inspiration says oh my god I've got to do that. That sounds like so much fun. You know what I mean? I remember I had a client once who had, you know, she wanted money, but she wanted to go to some Buddhist retreat and she didn't have the money, but she had to work. She was in this whole dilemma. Anyway, she decided to spend the $300 on the retreat and inside that retreat. So she acted, she acted for like herself. I really, I really should be working and earning money because I've got all these bills, but I'm going to spend the money I don't have on myself. So she acted and she got 17 new clients that weekend. That's that action, but the action inspired yeah, by inspiration. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's called inspired action, right? Inspired like, action. That's, that's what creativity, that's where creativity comes from. And that's where like the beauty and the magic happens because if you sit and you get inspiration, right? Like you'll be like, oh my God, I want to go do that. And then if you don't act upon it, what happens is you let that idea just dissipate because you'll go, I'll do it next week. Or and then it'll come in and like, oh, maybe that's too hard, or I don't have enough money right now, or and the stories will flood in. Mm. So you have to act on the inspiration because that's that's the divine. That's the like, here, fucking go do this shit right now. Not I'm not listening to any of your bullshit stories. Just go fucking do something. And it's like, oh, okay then, you know, because like, you know, the spirit talks to me like that. I think it's because it's how I talk to spirit, right? It's Absolutely. Like, spirit yeah, talks to I, me like that too. That's why I'm laughing. Spirit goes, just get over yourself, Karen. You're wallowing in your misery. Get over yourself. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, but if you, if you wait, your stories will creep in, you know. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. So like. That's why I'm saying, like the law of attraction. I see so many people in the uber spiritual space, which, like, like that's not me, mate. You know, I'm not like. You know, there's a lot of criticism around the law of attraction. I've seen a lot of it lately. You know, when the secret came out, because I was teaching it way before the secret came out. When Rhonda Byrne put the secret out, I'm like, yes. Uh, you know, it was that first step to introduce it into the masses. Just such an important step. But most people are really confused about it. They just really don't know how it works there's confused you know because there's so many different voices teaching it they're like do I do it like that or do I do it like that and it's just it's it just is I mean law of attraction just is whether you know about it or not it just is being aware of how you feel and how you think is the most important part of a law of attraction because you know so yeah what vibe you're putting out just um yeah well it's also just about you know thoughts shape reality so what are you focusing what's your intention all that stuff but you know I think there's a lot of damaging misinterpretations of what it is you mm. know or you know when it also comes to the law of attraction is beset in privilege in a lot of ways you know in that like when there's you know certain people in the world and they'll be just like oh you know they're not thinking positively enough therefore because of this and you know they're just sick because of this and 
you know, and it kind of, I see it in some people, you know, as an excuse for them to just go, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, they're not taking responsibility for their own life because their thoughts are like, and I'm kind of like, yeah, just get, get off your spiritual ego, you know, and it's, that's the bit of it that like breaks on me is when I see people using it to kind of almost belittle other people and, and, you know, some people, you know, they, they might have the most beautiful thoughts. They might be the most beautiful people. Shit will still happen, right? Mm. right. Um, and, you know, some of the most beautiful people in the world get ill and die. And doesn't mean that they, you know, weren't thinking fucking positive thoughts, you know? It didn't mean that they attracted some fucking really bad shit to them, you know? So that's just my take on it in a lot of ways. <laughs> Well, you know, dying's not bad when you die. When you speak to people who have died, I'll tell you that dying is not really bad shit. Dying is probably one of the most beautiful things that can actually happen as far as um, re-emerging. <laughs> but it does piss people yeah, off like around I, you. Yeah, I don't have any fear of death, you know, mm. like, I've, like none whatsoever, not anymore. You know, I've faced it. Tell me, Avis, when you were really sick, did you have any, like, out-of-body experiences where you're floating around at the top of the hospital room, bed, you know? Did you leave your body and stuff like that? I didn't get all, like, no, it, no, no. It was, for me, it was just a very, I understood what Judgment Day was, uh-huh. you know? Like, I finally understood. You know, I was sitting in my hospital bed, and my poor, you know, I had a pain team of four doctors who came to see me, and I was in this, incessant pain day in day out you know I hadn't had any food or water in weeks on end um uh, I had a little sponge I could wet my lips with if I, but it was just it was miserable and I had like I had a morphine pump that I could pump every 30 seconds I had like pain patches on my arms and I had like a, a ketamine infusion in my leg and I was in agony still and they were like and then every so often if it got real bad they would inject me directly into my abdomen with with um, more painkillers and the, the surgeon just came and sat beside me and I just was like, I was in agony and I was like, is the pain going to go away? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, am I going to get better? And he said, I don't know. And then I just looked at him and I was like, am I going to die? And he just started to cry and he said, I don't know. And I was like, oh, mate, the fucking surgeon cries, you're half a okay. You know? And, and in that moment, I just... Like he left and everyone left and I was on my own. And it was, it was like the movie. It was like every single thing I had failed to do in my life, everything I wished I had done, I saw every, like every word I failed to speak hundred in my ears. Like, and it swirled around. I was like fucking time traveling, mate. I touched every moment in time simultaneously. And and it was all of the things that I didn't do. It was all of the things that I wished I had done. The depth of love that I didn't have the courage to dive into. The, the times I didn't say I love you. The times I didn't say I'm sorry. Like, um, And just realizing like, that's, oh, fuck, this is judgment day. There is nobody judging me. You are the judge of your life in the moment of your death. And I just sat there and I went. And... And then, and then, you know, like I had this realization that I'd been fighting my illness. I'd been fighting my pain. And I just was like, do you know what? Just 
give it all to me. And I just lay there and I was like, give me all the pain. I was like, I will take all of it. I've passed out from the pain. And then the next day I started to get better. Oh, God. Yeah. So. <laughs> Girl. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And um, you just yeah, no, completely no. demonstrated the resistance. That's the whole thing about Laura Vitor. What you resist persists. Yeah. And it was, it was the lesson in surrender. Surrender, acceptance, love it. Love your pain, love your illness, love your body. Love, well, yeah, it's love like all a, of it. My friend sings this song and she's like the medicine for the pain. Say that again, the medicine. Medicine for the pain is the pain. Is the pain. Mm. You know, and, and, you know, and as soon as you stop fighting, you know, all that's left is peace, right? Like, that's it. And as soon as you stop fighting, all that's left is peace. That's it. Yeah. It. Yeah. And so and when you work from that space, everything you touch turns to gold. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But again, like we're amnesiacs and we forget that shit. So we need our practices. We need our people. <laughs> we need everything to just kind of keep coming back to that. And then we learn that lesson and then we forget and then we need to learn it again. And it's like <laughs> the way that I kind of describe it is like, you know, it used to be that, you know, spirit used to have to come along with a fucking sledgehammer. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's about tuning yourself in to like, feel the tickle of the feather, right? Because if you don't feel the tickle of the feather, she'll punch you in the face. If you don't feel the punch in the face, she'll like hit you by a car, which actually got hit by a car. And if, like, got hit by a car. And um, if you don't get hit by a car, you know, you like something else will happen, you know? And so it's like learning to listen or feel the feather instead of having to get hit by a truck. Um, oh, darling. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. You know, that's why I put these shows on because I call my sessions reminders from home because, as you say, we remember stuff and then we forget and then we remember and then we forget and then we remember and then we forget. And, you know, it's like I'm not teaching you anything that your soul doesn't know. I'm just reminding you of what, you were, that you've, what you've forgotten. I'm just reminding you what exactly. you've forgotten. And, you know, and for me that's what the, the changing the world thing is. Yeah. Know? It's we're all sharing our remembering. That's it. Add and contribute to the collective remembering. That's it, you know, and it's and that it, it's driving that collective remembering. We're all like this wave, like egging each other on, and it's like throwing it into the melting pot, and then that sparks a remembering of somebody else, and it's just like that's that's the work. Um, and we do it in different ways, in different manifestations, in art, in music, in social business, in activism, in just how we are in the world, and that's the work, you know. That's the work. Absolutely. That's the work. Well, I have to say what I admire about you is, you know, you said it's not my dharma to sit on the mountain and meditate. It's my dharma to get out there and do some serious action. And, I, yeah. and I've watched you, you know, create this incredible community in Sydney. And so you have this ability to inspire people to act and to come and to organize and that's a real gift you know that's a real gift and yeah. I was showing my daughter who who has me as a mother who teaches people and 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 does psychic readings and connects people to their spirit you know does all this stuff but she's not my client she's my daughter but she's more in that I need to change the world thing I don't want to talk to my spirit guides I want to get out there and act and change the world 
and I showed her your video of what you've, you know, raised the campaign, you've done the campaign for, and she was really connected to it, you know. So you're speaking to a whole new generation of people that want to be in action, but they also want to be in action in their joy. It's like I I don't want to, you know, she's working as a carer at the moment. I don't want to be wiping old ladies' bums who have diarrhoea. I want to be in action and helping the world in a way that turns me on and lights me up and, um, and for some people, people that turns them on. Yeah, exactly. And and so that for me is the nature of like the work that I guide people through. It's like, yeah, you can you can create a better future. Like it's always called reinvent your future because it's about reinventing your future, but reinventing all of our future. Yes, co-creating this future. But, but like, you know, joy is is. It's just our true nature, right? We love being in joy. And so you find those things that bring you joy. It doesn't mean you're going to be sitting in joy. You're going to be sitting there going, this is shit sometimes. And that's okay. But the whole point is if it brings you joy, it gives you the capacity to sit through the shit time. And it gives you resilience because you love it. It's like being in love and having an argument with somebody. You know, you might just go, I don't like them today. But it doesn't mean you stop loving them, yeah. right? And, and, and for me, the work that you do when you start a business, when you build a project, it is a marriage. You know, you need to look at it as though it's a marriage. And the other way of looking at it as a marriage is, you know, like this obsession with overworking in startups and in social enterprises and as, as activists. Mate, if you spent 24 hours a day with your husband, you would fucking kill him. Right? <laughs> And, and how, do you, how do you reignite the flame of your relationship? You know, you take breaks from each other. You spend time apart and it makes you excited to come back together. The magic comes in the spaces. And so I look at my work in the same way, is that like if I'm spending all my time with it, it'll start to piss me off. I'll get grumpy at it. I'll start, like, I'll start snapping at it and it just... It just didn't feel good. Whereas, like, you know, I want to be excited to see my work again. That's the way I like to operate. I just like, you know, I took a big break and now I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to see my work. You know, it's like, I missed you. Here I am when you come in with this new energy. And, you know, I've just run the crowdfunding campaign. And so I worked my tits off for the last month, like, really, really intensely. And um, they're still here, though. They're really good, too. <laughs> and, um, I do have very good boobs, thanks very much. And um, <laughs> crack me up, girl. <laughs> my train of thought. I've got a question. <laughs> I know now everyone's thinking boobs. <laughs> I, I've got a question I want to ask you because I, I tell you what I've seen inside this change maker conscious community in Sydney since I've been like I dived in headfirst about six years ago, five years ago. I've seen incredible people do incredible things mm-hmm. and collaborate with each other and then their personal shit like tears them apart. I have just seen this time. So, and it's usually over money, right? It's pretty much always over money. People do not like losing their money. People, people sort of dive in and do a whole lot of work for free and then money exchanges and then there's fights about who gets what and what and, and I've worked so hard and no I've worked harder than you I'm helping you but I'm helping you no but I'm helping you I'm, and then there's like that and so I see these communities 
like come together to try and grow something with their skills and then like break apart because of all this stuff that they haven't dealt with. And it's such a shame because these people have these skills that when they come together, they would create something amazing, but their stuff gets in the, you know, their limiting beliefs gets in the way and pulls them apart. I've seen it over and over and over again. I'm thinking, God, we, I, we just don't need to give this whole community like a personal growth workshop <laughs> so they can just, so they can, like you said, they can fight with each other and instead of ripping apart their project, they can come together and sort of, you know, have makeup sex, so to speak, and, and get on with it rather than saying, I'm never going to speak to that person. I'm never working with you again. You burnt your bridges with me. That's what I see a lot of. Yeah. I, I don't see so much of that myself. You don't? I think, no, I honestly don't. I think it's just in, in, in my immediate space it's, it's not an issue really when I when I do see that it it falls apart at the seams is when people jump in out of enthusiasm mm-hmm. um, without thinking of the realities, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a problem that I see a lot of the time in the social impact space. Like somebody will watch a movie and they'll get really heart-wrenchingly, oh my God, I need to do something. They'll dive in and they'll start creating change without thinking of, okay, well, what are the negative consequences? What's the real world issues here? You know, am I actually contributing? Am I looking at this whole system or am I just doing this? And they want to look at what the potential positive side effects of their work are, but they, they're very unwilling to look at what the positive, the potential negative side effects of their work are. And when it comes to partners coming together, they just, they might jump on board with a particular partner just because they're able to offer funding. And like mm-hmm. I made this mistake before, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really feeling it with the business partner, but he was like, look, I'll give you all the money that you need to set it up. I will give you all of the access to, you know, my logistics company and everything. And it just made it like so easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just like, yeah, he's not my kind of guy. Like, you know, we're not that aligned. I went into it. Um, but the problem wasn't that my shit got in the way. The problem was that our values were misaligned. The problem was that he wanted something different out of it and I wanted something different out of it. But so like a lot of the work that I teach is about understanding motivations, drivers, values as founders and as teams and knowing that just because you value a certain thing doesn't necessarily mean that your founder, your, your co-founder will value that same thing. And in my first startup, I started my first startup with my best friend and my brother. And like, I didn't want to work all the time, but my co-founder, like my best friend is, was a workaholic at the time. You know, he's on his third business now and bringing in like, you know, $5 million a year. And now he's like, oh, I don't want to work that hard, you know, but like at that time he was a workaholic and I was at that time kind of going, I don't want to work that hard, you know? And so... It's just really when it doesn't work, it's, it's, it sometimes isn't about the shit. Sometimes it's just about you just did it with the wrong person. You're not wanting the same things out of it. And so this person's coming and going, I want this out of it. This person's going, I want this out of it. And they're going, well, she's not giving me what I want. He's not giving me what I want. And so it's very easy to kind of go, well, oh, maybe it's because of the money or it's because of the shit or it's because of it. Yeah, their egos are getting in the way. Yeah. They fundamentally want different things from the business. So that business isn't going to work. Mm. If, they, if they can sit down and kind of go, we both want the same thing. Mm-hmm. I want the same thing. You want the same Then they can resolve it. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's not meant to be resolved. And mm-hmm. so it just really depends on the situation. But yeah, people, people jump in. Mm. It's like, 
It's like they jump in out of bluffs. Same again in a relationship, you know, think about the fact that, you know, he's really broken. He's just going to come over and, like, eat all your food and just sleep in sit in your couch for six months. But, like, the sex is really good. But, you know, it's like, um, that's not going to, you know, pay the bills and rah, 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 rah. You know, so it's, it's what are, what is the real reason behind it? What, what is the real reason for doing it with this person? Are you values aligned? Do you want the same things? How do they work? Do they work, work in the same way as you? Understanding those things, that's what will make a successful partnership. It's the same with love. It's, you know, do you want the same things? You know, you go into a relationship, one of them wants kids, one of them doesn't want kids. That's not going to end well, mate, is it? And it's exactly the same in business. It's the same in social impact projects. It's the same in activism. So you really have to know that other person. I think where people go wrong when I'm listening to you, you know, there might be someone that wants, like, what do you want? I want to change the world. Well, how does that look? I don't know. And it might be in relationship. Well, what do you want? Well, I want to be in love. Well, how does that look? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people don't know what they want and that therein lies the problem. They've kind of got this sketchy idea. It's called relationship. It's called changing the world. But I don't really know how that looks. That's actually what I teach people. Exactly. You know, I teach people because like, and then the, the irony is people then think they know what they want, but that's not what they want, Yeah, what they think they want. And then there's another layer underneath that of the, there's the gap between, you know, what you've been told you want and what you actually want. And then there's another exactly. gap between what you think you want and what you actually want. And so, exactly. Like, and that, that takes a process of real, you know, peeling back the layers and of deep personal work. And so, you know, having done a lot of that work myself, I've developed frameworks that just kind of make, like, I can get through that shit in fuck 20 minutes, mate. Okay, so, you know, this is a plug for what you're doing. So that's why you've developed this on, is it an online course? Yeah, initially it is. Um, And I guess the reason for that is I've been running it as in-person workshops. But I want to reach more people. And then also, like, I'm moving around a lot at the moment. um, And my visa issues in Australia as well. And, um, yeah, and so it just made sense for me to put it online. And plus... Like I want the course to be the course, but then I also want to have lots of video content and podcasts. So I want to just reach a whole lot more people. With Think Hack Change, you know, maybe reaching 100, 200 people every month. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now with just this one online course, like I've got 170 people who will be able to go through the course since this first iteration. And so, you know, but if I do that a few times a year, like I can really only have 12 to 20 people in a live workshop to, to make it really beautiful. Whereas online, you know, we, we can experiment and, and play around with different ways of facilitation, so it's slightly different. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just a different way of holding space, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is why, yeah, this is why I put these podcasts out there because, as you say, you know, putting on a seminar, you can reach maybe 20, 30, 100 people, but putting something out on the internet, you can reach thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions potentially. So, um, and actually that's what I'm finding with the podcasts that more and more people are picking them up and going, oh, my God, this changed my world. Uh, so that's, yeah, the whole point of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so um, what I've done is just taken a lot of the frameworks that I've developed for myself and things that worked for myself and it's very much combined with a lot of indigenous wisdom. It's combined with like a lot of neuroscience and psychotherapy and mindfulness. And, and it's just got my own flavor on it. I've kind of cherry picked things that, you know, really worked for me. There's no kind of one linear way through it. Yeah. And, and yeah. then it's, 
it's different ways of learning throughout the course and it's kind of like a choose your own adventure pick the pieces that you really want to integrate into your life and what really resonate with you and then just like you know the other stuff you don't have to do it all it's not about like doing it all and it's not about me teaching you this is what you need to do this is me kind of going okay like the, the core tool is called your life compass I'm not giving you a math page. Like, it's going to be out of date because, like, there's all these new roads being built. And then you'll be that chick who's, like, on level with, like, Google Maps just fucking in the middle of a field because you're just, like, I'm lost. And, um, and so, yeah, it's about just connecting people with that inner compass. And, and then it gives you a tool that, like, maybe something changes in your life. Maybe you go through a deeper awakening. Maybe um, you have a child, maybe, you know, something happens and then you still have this tool to go back to, which allows you to reconnect with, you know, okay, personal integrity, intuition. What does this mean? And again, what does it mean? Like people say, I just trust your gut. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) You know, like, and so this tool is like your guide to understanding and learning intuition and learning what your gut's telling you. Mm. Um, when because the time that you need your gut the most is the time it's so noisy that you don't know what you're going to say. Well, absolutely. One of the things that you know I found instrumental in navigating that in the compass is knowing that everything ha- is happening for you and not to you. And you know, like you're very like Tony Robbins right now. I am sounding like Tony Robbins. I'm sounding like I tell you who. Um, Actually, I've never heard Tony Robbins say that. I did his courses years ago, but uh, Byron Katie is the one that says that. You know, Byron Katie. Mm-hmm. I talk about her often, and that's I'm changed my stuff, yeah. that changed my world because when the shit's hitting the fan and you're in your drama, you just stop and you go, "Okay, so why is this great? Like, what am I learning about myself? Like, why is this happening for me and not to me?" And that just changes your perspective on everything. That's just yeah. that's, that's well, listening to you guys. I don't necessarily think about it that way myself, but I, it's just from life experience. That's how I how I do it. I like yeah. You know, I've got a girlfriend at the moment, and she's going through like a proper shit storm. It's it's you know it's it's comical. It's that bad, and like it mirrors my exact journey. Like everything that happened to me is now happening to her. So I'm like, right. you know, it's very easy for me to go, mate. It's going to be fine. But like she's still there, going, oh my god. But like when the shit hits the fan for me now, it's, you know, I look back on all the things that have happened to me and, you know, and, and like I had a really deep process in it and really like I went into it. I went, spent three months with self in nature and I went through a really deep process in that and I'm just really looking at all of the things that happened within my life and just having so much gratitude for them. Yeah. And um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine and you know, we've been talking about death and somebody's father died and we were talking about that. My dad died when I was eight and, right. you know, and it very much shaped my my youth, you know, and yeah. I grew up when I was eight because my mom became an alcoholic and so right. I'm eight, I've got no parents, it's great. And, um, and it very much shaped who I was, but, you know, I was born into like complete love. Like my childhood up until the age of eight was like, you know, in a fucking blight and shit, you know, it was so perfect. And it was ridiculous, you know, you couldn't make that shit up. And, um, <laughs> and, and so like, I had this amazing gift, like the beginning of my life was so beautiful. And then it just went, Phew. and that was the second biggest gift, you know, like yeah. my dad being born to my father was the biggest gift that ever happened to me. The second biggest gift was still leaving me. 
Yeah. And, and like, I'm, and, and they don't say that, like, you know, sometimes I hear people say something like, oh, they don't really believe that. Like, I, I feel that. Like, well, darling, you're just speaking my life. Like, mum dies when I'm 15, 16, and biggest gift. Like, I wrote a book about it called Return to Love, Biggest Gift. Yeah. Mm. Because that woke me up, you know, that started me asking questions. Like, why did she die? Where did she go? Where did we come from? Can I speak to her again? Will I ever see her again? Is there a life after death? All that stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it plunged me into the depths of darkness for like, you know, a good 15 years. And, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I was, I was in a pretty dark place for a long time. And, um, but it's, it's taught me so much, you know, yeah. like that's this capacity for resilience, like, Mm. And crazy you know and my capacity to process the shit that happens in my life now it's just so much greater um and i'm gonna touch some wood right now <laughs> but um you know it's i think that it just if you can experience the deepest deepest depth of pain and darkness and struggle like the the, the bliss the beauty you get to you get to experience the depth of that too you know, yeah. Um, yeah, and and again with you know the spiritual stuff that I don't resonate with is like you know these people just fucking flapping around being all blissed out and you know I'm like that's all well and good like you know but that's not all of it like you know like so the most beauty of like I've experienced it comes from the dark too and and I see a lot of like not wanting to be angry and not wanting to be this and not wanting to be that everything should look a certain way if you're a spiritual person and I'm like. The most spiritual people I know don't look spiritual. They're very humble. They're very gentle souls or, you know, they're completely not gentle at all. Like they're the most irreverent, crazy ass humans. And you would like, spiritually, you wouldn't think so, but they are connected as, you know? And yeah. it's just, it's just like what shits me about, like what, another reason I did this work is because like there's this huge gap. It's like, I don't resonate with this like uber, uber, you know, shit over here. Like I go there every so often, like if I'm doing ceremonies or whatever it is. And I, like, I love it when I'm there, but it's not how I want to be every day. Whereas then you've got like the work, you know, like the, the social change, but there's no, there's no, there's this huge gap in the middle. It's like, why do we separate the two? You either go off on your yoga retreat and then you come back and you do your work over here. But it's not like middle ground of like grounded spirituality of like just being you. Like that's the, for me, spirituality is just being you. You know, it's not about all this other stuff. It's are you being you? And who is you? And that's it. And it's that journey. Um, and it's that continued unfolding and unraveling, that commitment to it. You know, that's the basis of spirituality. Hmm. Oh, darling one. I could talk to you. Oh, it's 11 11. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. All right. Where can people find out about what you're up to? find out at avasmallhall.com which is there's a holding website up there at the minute and i'm going to be putting up a fancy new one but you could still register interest for the course up there um or just find me on facebook at avasmallhall i've got a page up there as well and i'll be sharing updates there so yeah that's pretty much it so the think act change community is that still a happening thing um, we just are relaunching it at the moment, actually, and we've got a first event coming up next Thursday. Um, it's all about storytelling for change. 
Um, so my good friend Tom Dawkins from Start Some Good is going to be co-organizing the events with me now. Um, and when I'm back in the country, I'll be running them with him. When I'm not, he'll be running them. Um, and yeah, so it's it's coming back, coming back to life. Mm-hmm. It's coming back to life. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I just needed to take a break. You know, I was run. I was basically running a conference once a month. You know, that's the thing. Um, so yeah, it was other people working together on it now makes it a lot easier. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Avis, you've blown me away as usual, as you always do. And um, I just want to thank you so much for who you are and what you do and all that you've experienced. And um, Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show, honey one. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling me and allowing me to come on the, on the show and share my story. Isn't Avis just fantastic? Just love that girl, that passion, that energy. that ability to inspire people and create change and get people up and inspired and motivated, just beautiful. We did a little chat about money. You know, I turned the recording off and we were talking about money and we were talking about the change maker community and how people have corporate jobs and they earn lots of money and then they become change makers or spiritual warriors or they start doing their spiritual work and then the money dries up and how to how to clean up those subconscious beliefs around money being a good or a bad thing. And so she started talking and I pressed the recording again and this is what she said. We need the conscious people to have all the money. We need conscious people to have shit tons of money because the problems in the world don't arise from people having money. The problems in the world arise from unconscious people having all the money and the people who have good hearts and want to do good things in the world have no fucking money. So therefore, they have no power. Like, they've got the power of their voice, but they don't have the power within the capitalist system. And I'm sorry, lads, that's where we're living right now. No, it's not where we're going. And you can peace, love, and fucking rainbows the shit out of it. But if we can't shift the current system right now, we can't shift the current system right now. And so one of the most powerful things that we can do as change makers is you know, also embrace our wealth, you know, and wealth is like multidimensional. It's social wealth, it's um, community wealth, but it's also monetary wealth. And if we can embrace wealth in a conscious way, not in a, a mindless ego way, you know, then we can put it into ethical investments. We can influence our banks because we'll be like, well, no, we don't want you investing in fossil fuels. We don't want you investing in this. And we can use that money like with the pledge you know if you've got an abundance of money you can spend an abundance of money on good things you know and so yeah that pursuit of money in another self isn't, isn't bad it's it's the intention behind your pursuit yeah the pursuit of money is not destroying the world no it's like this you know people are like oh well we'll bring in this economy and we'll bring in that economy and we'll bring in this mate doesn't matter what fucking shit you bring in if it's still if you're still doing it for the wrong reasons if it's still coming from the wrong place you're still gonna fuck it up like that's what humans do we're like oh this bit this isn't working let's do something new it's like we are still doing it the same way so it's still not gonna work and so we just need to we as humans it's just about evolving our thoughts about the way that we're doing things um and so, yeah, if the conscious community had more money, think of the beautiful things you'd be able to create and build together. Think of the 
the redistribution of that wealth. So for me, it's not like, okay, I'm going to take all the money and hold on to it for myself. It's like, well, no, if I have a lot of money, I can give that money away. Um, I can create things with that money. And, you know, it's like, it took me a while to get out of my own money story um, because I used to be incredibly wealthy when I was young. You know, when I was 28, I was earning like a quarter of a million dollars. Um, I was minted, but I was fucking dying on the inside. I was miserable. And then I became a change maker and I was the happiest I ever was, but I had no money. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that was my story. My story was, oh, I'm, I was unhappy when I had money and, and now I'm happy when I have no money, which is the complete opposite of my childhood money story, which was like, my mom was like, oh, when your father was alive, we were wealthy and we were all happy. And then my father died and we had no money and then we were miserable. And so I was like, oh, I need to get money to get happy. And so then I spent my 20s making fuck tons of money to make up for my sad child who had like lost her money. And I was completely convinced I would be happy once I had money. And I thought, oh, shit. It's like that thing, you get to the top of the mountain, you realize it's another mountain. Um, and then I had no money and I was super happy. And I was like, no, actually, I kind of want to do things. I, I want to be able to do more, you know. Um, and I see so many talented change makers being limited by the change they can create in their lives and in the world because they're afraid to admit that they want money. Exactly. Exactly. They're afraid to admit that they want it because because they see it as some selfish, selfish, evil thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's the intention behind it. Like, you want money because you want to just pop off into the sunset and just, you know, because you want 16 Ferraris. Yeah. Or do you want to just be free to create in a, in a way that contributes, you know? Like, what, what's the intention? The intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for joining us for another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. It's been so wonderful to be of service to you again please remember if you're a change maker or a new world teacher or if you have an incredible life journey that you would like to share that's what we do in the inner sanctum join our little webinar series i shouldn't call it little should i join our webinar series for the deliberate creation for the new world teachers i help you with those subconscious thoughts that stop you from being all you know you can be and helping you help others it's all about being the best you can be so that you can inspire others to be the best they can be and together we can change this world we can uplift and make the shift thanks for joining me love you all bye for now thanks so much for joining us for another enlightened conversation on accentuate the positive if you would like spiritual guidance from my guides blissful beings go to karenswain.com for a reading or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to All the podcasts are also available on iTunes. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. Until next time, bye for now.